Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Well, we started a brand new series last weekend, and the series is, is called First Things First. Can we say that together? First Things First. And so, um, as I mentioned, we kicked that off last weekend. So this is week number two, and this is part number two. And before I jump into it, I, I just want to um, hit something really, really spiritual here, first of all. Um, who has the Bengals tonight? Let's see. Who has the Rams? Who could care less? <laughs> I'll take the Bengals. It's been a long time in Cincinnati for them to win, but um, Pittsburgh's not in it. It don't matter. So, <laughs> so first things first, this is really a series about settling the number one issues in our life. And it may seem like a simple topic, but every once in a while we need to recalibrate, calibrate, realign, readjust, get things in order about really what is first place in, in our lives. And, and so I, I want to use this series just to teach you some things God would expect of us that is really, really crucial for you and I to hear. And so I asked some questions last week when I, when I started out. And the first question was, to whom do you belong? To whom do you belong? As a believer, do you really, really, really belong to God? Does everything belong to God? Um, you know, the Bible says this, you were pot, pot, bought, you were bought with a price, and what God used to pay for you was the blood of Jesus, his son. So you were, you were bought with a price, uh, but do you really belong to him? And if you do, you say you belong to him, because that's what all of us Christians say. Yeah, I belong to God. But if you do belong to him, does he really own all of your stuff? I belong, does he own everything? And, and the other question I asked is, how responsible are you? So we're taking a look at that word responsible here for a few weeks because it, it's a big word throughout Scripture. And last week our title was becoming responsible. If first thing is first, then we need to become more responsible. And I said some things like this. God will never promote poor management because that's what responsibility is. It's, it's management. Uh, we said this, that good management is the pathway to great blessings. And then we said this, you determine exactly how responsible that you become. So how about we take this to the next notch today or to the next level? I believe we've got some good stuff for you. So how many of you um, at work have ever had your employer call you in around the first of the year, the end of the year, and give you a performance appraisal? You know, anyone ever had that? So they bring you in, they give you a performance appraisal on, on how well you do. Actually, we, we do that in the month of February here. So right now our uh, we call it visionary, visioneering meetings, and so uh, our team uh, has a handout that they fill out, and, and they rate themselves, their spiritual life, their relationships, their emotional life, their leadership, and their department. Then we sit down and we go over it with them, compare notes. Um, we um, talk to them about how to help them in those areas. If they need uh, some areas that we believe they need to uh, elevate their game in, we'll talk to them about that. Um, we'll we'll um, base their... Uh, you know, their, um, their rewards off of that. And, and so we do that this time every year. So, so a lot of people do that. But I was thinking about that. What, what, if, what if God gave you a performance appraisal? Don't hold your breath. Everybody's like, does he do that? Well, you know, what, what if God was giving you a performance appraisal? Would, 
Would you be promoted, demoted, or terminated? Now, thank God he doesn't terminate us, right? That's called grace. But when God looks at our life and he evaluates our, our life and how we are managing and stewarding all that God has given us, we're, we're to give an answer for that. So, so think about some of the areas of your life. How well are we managing or stewarding? That's the Bible word. How well are we managing the things of God? The finances he's given us. The health he's blessed us with. The relationships in, in our lives. How well are we managing? And there's some other areas of our life sometimes we don't think about. How well are we, how well are we ma- I'm having a hard, hard time talking today. How well are we managing our soul or our thinkers or our mind? Are we just letting our minds run wild, or are we stewarding the thoughts in our mind? Because the Bible actually says that. Think on these things. We're, we're to steward our, our minds. How about our spirit, man? We're to steward ourselves spiritually. Sometimes these are areas that we may not uh, always think about. How about the giftings in our life, the purposes, the plans God has for us? How well are you and I stewarding those things? How important are those things in, in our lives? And I remember several years ago, this isn't someone who's worked for us here, but I had this guy, and he, uh, when, when me and my wife did student ministry, he had actually been a student pastor, had his own student ministry, and he, he came to work with us, and he, he had another job that he was still doing, and so we brought him on part-time, and the goal was to go full-time, and he, it really, we brought him on for a couple reasons, was to help us with pastoral care. We were working with several hundred teenagers, and the other thing was, we had students that were coming from about an hour northwest of us, and we were trying to create a transportation route. Plus, we had a, a bunch of students that we were busing in from um, some, some, some really troubled areas. And so he was to develop all this for us. And we brought him in, and he, he was a great guy, great personality, but it just wasn't happening. Nothing ever got going. Nothing ever got in motion. And I felt, felt like I was still doing most of the work, and finally it came toward the end of the year, and I was giving him his evaluation, and when he came to me, his first question is, can I go full-time now? And, and, and I looked him in the eye, I said, man, listen, I said, you're wanting full-time, and I'm at the place, I'm going to have to let you go. It's not because I don't like you, it's not because you're not a good person, it's just you have not been responsible to do any of the things that we actually hired you for. So he's wanting promotion. I had to say, sorry, man. Now, the good part of that story is we we did have to let him go as an employee, but he came on as a volunteer and was the best volunteer I ever had. I don't know why it worked that way, but I took and I I hired another guy, and in about three months, he had all the bus routes together. He had groups. He just did everything. He was faithful. He's still faithful today. He's still on staff there. He is the epitome of faithfulness. And sometimes we want promotion and we shout about blessings because it's in the Bible. But the Bible has some things to say to us about promotion and increase. And I wrote it down this way. Our attitude should be this. God, thank you for allowing me to manage blank. Fill in the blank. God, thank you that it's my privilege privilege that I get to be responsible and steward and manage. You could put a fill in the blank. You could put your wife. You could put your kids. The job the career path you have right now, the responsibilities you have, our, our attitude as believers, I think I said this last week, we, we really should be the definition of responsibility and faithfulness and stewardship. God, thank you that I get to manage 
this area of ministry, this job that you've given me, this wife, these kids, thank you, instead of, oh God, look at all this responsibility I've got. Look at someone and say, responsibility is a good thing. <laughs> Do it again, but say it like you believe it. <laughs> that was like, you just mumbled your way through that. <laughs> Now, listen, I know the world we live in, the culture around us right now, does not believe that and does not act that way. Right? But, but being a steward, that's the Bible word. Our English word is responsibility. The Bible word is a steward, or we could use the, the word manager. And a steward is just this. It's a person who faithfully manages what's been entrusted to them by someone. I faithfully steward what has been entrusted to me by someone. All that God has entrusted you with, we're to be faithful with. Now, what, what if God did inspect us? What if God did evaluate us? What if God did give us an appraisal? Well, the Bible tells us what he's looking for. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the first two verses. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is what? required in a steward that he would be found what? Faithful. So when God inspects, he expects what? Faithfulness. Of all the things God could be looking for, it didn't say he was looking for how articulate you are or how talented you are or any of that sort of thing. What God looks at when he inspects you and me, he expects to see what? Faithfulness. Now, as a person who has people who work for me, if you have people that work for you, when you inspect them, there are a lot of things that you do look, but mainly, above all things, don't you value faithfulness? Yeah. Yeah. Faithfulness is what, when God inspects you, he expects, guess what, to see faithfulness in your life, in my life. And really, the word faithful just means to act out of faith. So when God is inspecting our lives, he expects us to be acting out of faith faith. The word faith and the word faithfulness are essentially the same word. And you, you've heard me say this. So the Bible says some, th some things like this. The just shall live by what? Faithfulness. Or we should live out of our faith. Or we should live by faith. We don't walk by sight. We live by what? Faithfulness. Or we live out of our faith. Our faith, if we are really people of faith, you cannot disconnect that from faithfulness. You will struggle to have faith for things in your life if you struggle with the faithfulness part of things because it's all the same thing. You know why you can put faith in God? Because God is faithful. Matter of fact, how about this for you? You know, the Bible says this, that, that we have this measure of faith. And when you study out the word faith, you're going to find out that what God has done, he has given you the same faith that Jesus has. You have Jesus' faith. Now think about that. How well are you stewarding your faith? How well are we stewarding the faith of Jesus? Because that's the faith we have. It's a gift to us, his faith. How well are we stewarding that faith? But when God inspects, he expects to see what? And I know some of you are, oh, faithfulness doesn't sound that exciting. Don't tune me out. Don't, turn, turn, don't tune out here. Tune in because this is a key in our lives, a huge key.
It's a master key in our lives. Because when God looks at my life and your life, you know what he's looking for? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's what he's looking for. Faithfulness. Now, my title today is this, Becoming Responsible to Bring It. Last week was Becoming Responsible. For the next few moments, I want to talk about being responsible to bring it. Now, if you go um, down to the courts or you're going into a basketball game, even a football game, tonight's the Super Bowl, one of these teams tonight is going to do a better job at bringing it than the other team. Right? So if you step on the court, you're going to bring it. Someone may get in your face. They're going to trash talk you. They're going to size you up. You have got to have already made the decision that you're going to bring your game. You're going to bring it. Don't need to teach you all a little bit on what that means. But you know what? In life, we are responsible to bring it. How well are you bringing it in life? I thought you'd be a lot more excited about that. How responsible are you to bring it in life? If you step on the court, if you step on the field tonight at the Super Bowl, someone has to suck it up, reach way down in here, and bring it. And I do believe that's a responsibility of yours and I as, as believers. So I know what you're thinking, right? Well, what am I responsible for bringing, and what is the it? That's what we're going to talk about for just a few moments. Let's go old school. Let's go to the book. I know you were reading there this morning in your, in your Jesus time. Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9 and verse 10. Everybody say, this is good. And God said something to Moses. He said, speak to the children of Israel and tell them this, or say this to them. When you come into the land that I'm going to give you, so he, he was giving them a promised land. He said this, he said, and when you come in and you reap its harvest, then God is expecting something. He says, I expect that you will bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. So God is speaking to Moses, and he said, I'm going to bring you in, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to bring you into a new land, a promised land, a new zone, a new success zone, a new place, and as I bring you into it, you're going to reap of its harvest. So God wants to promote you, he wants to elevate you, he wants to bring you into a new zone of wealth, a new zone of blessing, a new zone of success. As he does, there is something required as we come into it and reap his harvest. And it says right here is to bring the first fruits. So the it is the principle of first fruits or the first principle. Say, what in the world would first, first fruits I'm talking in tongues today. Y'all just interpret, right? What would be the first fruits? Well, th this was an agricultural setting, but for us, we, we wouldn't necessarily maybe have to say first fruits. We would say the first portion, or we could say your very best. What are you responsible for bringing God your very best, or the first fruits principle, or the first portions principle? So here's Point number one, life point number one. You ready for this? This is a good one. God only blesses your faithfulness. Did y'all get that? God only blesses your faithfulness. God doesn't bless it when you do it your way or your thing. What God does bless is God blesses your faithfulness. That's all he can bless. 
Well, let's go back, rewind. Who do you belong to? Who owns your stuff? How responsible are you as a manager, as a steward, to steward faithfully that which has been entrusted to you so what God blesses in your life is how well you're stewarding faithfully that which he is entrusted. That's what God blesses. When you come into the new zone and you begin to reap, bring him your very best. Stick with me. Y'all doing all right? Because a lot of times we want God to bless our thing done by our opinion, devised in our plan. That's not got what God's in covenant with. That's not what he's in contract with. That's not what he's in agreement with. Because he's the boss. Would your boss come to you and you're just off doing your own thing, your little business thing on the side, so has something, oh boy, let's just give you a raise. No, he wouldn't do that. But yet we would expect God to do that. What God will do is bless us when we are faithful to all he has entrusted to us. Now, Stick with me. Let's, let's, let's build on this. So the phrase, first things first, which could also be the first portion or the first fruits, comes from the Hebrew word, which I will botch gladly for you. I've botched the English. I'll botch the Hebrew this morning. The bikurim or the bikurim, which is the third day of the Feast of Passover. On the third day of the Feast of Passover, they would bring the first fruits or the first portion to God. Well, there's something special about that third day and the first portion because somebody was raised on the third day and he was the first fruits of man. That was Jesus, right? So, so the Bible gives us this phrase for first things first or first portions. And what they would do, they would, they would bring their ripened harvest of fruit to the temple for an offering and then God would put his name over it. How many know it's important what God puts his name to? He's not obligated to put his name to you doing your thing your way, but he will write his name all over your faithfulness. And really what this means to us, we don't bring offerings as they did in, with agricultural times, but they would bring them to God because it kept them aware of God and it kept them dependent on God for the harvest for the next year. That's what this feast was all about. Well, you know, there's, there's even a story in the Bible all the way back in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve had these two sons, right? Cain and, and Abel. And Cain brought God, the Bible says, this offering of, of his fruits from his crops. But Abel, the Bible says, brought God the best offering from his livestock. And the Bible said God accepted Abel's offering, yet rejected Cain's. That's why Cain got jealous and murdered his brother Abel. It was all over the first portion, the very best. So what Cain did was just brought God something from his stuff. But Abel brought the best of his stuff to God because he was aware of God. He was dependent upon God. And God received Abel's offering, but yet rejected Cain's. Are you getting the point? What God will bless is us doing this the way he says to do it, um, in the manner that he says to do it. That's how God will do this. Now, now think about this. Another word for faithfulness, and it's a Bible word, is the word steadfastness. To be steadfast. I looked that word up for you, and it means to be resolute, firm, to be unwavering. 
And here's the deal. The result of steadfastness, now you, you have got to get this, is to be restful. It's just to be restful. So if I'm faithful, I'm able to be restful. Steadfast. As a steward, I can be restful. And the Bible says labor to get into rest. What that, what's that mean? Stay faithful to the things of God to be in a place of rest. Faithfulness, faith puts you in a place of rest. So the opposite, I told you this last week, I did the opposite last week of being responsible. So I did the trick question with my wife again this week. I said, what's the opposite of faithful? She said, unfaithful. I said, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I said, it's restlessness. Because steadfastness produces a restfulness in our life. If you're a believer, walking in, now I'm not saying you walk in perfection. I'm just saying staying faithful. Yeah, there'll be some moments where you blow it, but I'm saying overall, staying faithful and consistent makes you very restful. For whatever you're believing for, trouncing through, walking through, the rest, it's a restful spirit. And we live in a world right now that is anything but that. But I, I, I'll tell you something. If you're remaining faithful to the things of God right now, in a very restless world, you can be full of rest. You can be restful in the middle of an illness, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a challenge, not because you're enjoying it, because you're being faithful. You know, if you're being faithful to the things of God, God's faithful. Because what is restfulness? It's the peace of God. We, we were telling our equip class the other night, the Bible actually says this in Philippians. It says, don't stress or worry or be anxious about anything. Now, I know what you're thinking. That was written a long time ago. They didn't have the stress we have. But it actually says that. You don't have to worry about anything. It just says, what you do instead of worry is you just come to God in prayer. Tell him about it. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will come. It will saturate your heart. It will guard your heart. It will guard your life. So if you are full of worry, I'm going to predict you're probably not full of prayer. Because prayer is the antidote, antidote for worry. So what the Bible is saying is bring it to God via prayer and trust it to him and let the spirit of rest be on your life. Just stay faithful to bring it to God. He wants to know. If it's enough to bother you, it's enough to bother God. If it's enough to stress you, it's enough. It matters to God that you bring it to him. But peace. You know, peace would, people would pay big money if you could bottle peace and sell it. Actually, you could probably put, put it in a jar, put a lid on and sell it. You would probably sell it. It's nothing but air. But they would think it's, this is peace. Where are you with me? Peace. Especially in a world that has no peace right now. And if you think about it, the culture we're in right now, the generation among us right now, is anything but restful. It's anything but steadfast. It is marked by compulsion, dissatisfaction. Come on, y'all watching the same world I'm watching? It, it, it's marked by aimlessness, uncertainty. 
You just see it in the world that we do. We see it in relationships. When things get hard, what do people do? Quit. Irreconcilable differences. Happens in those relationships. Happens on our jobs. Gets hard. I'm going to get a different job. I don't like these people around me. I'm moving across that. It didn't used to be like that. And you know what? One of the worst things, I just want you to hear me. One of the worst things that we see right now is people just being faithful to church. Can I meddle for a moment? I know you're saying, well, you got to say this, you're the pastor. No, it, 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 you talk about a pandemic or an epidemic. They say the average person is in church, the average person, once about every six weeks. It was every four weeks. Now, don't get under condemnation for it. I'm just saying, we need to be in the house of God. You say, well, prove it. <laughs> Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23, 24, and 25 It says this, it says, hold on to your faith, the confession of your faith. It says that. Then it says, and spur each other on, and do not forsake assembling together as many have made the habit of, especially when you see the days approaching. Well, that was prophetic. The days are not approaching, the days are upon us. And I would just say from a pastor to you all, to everyone that would watch this, even if you're not from our church, get in a church and get there frequently. If you ever need it, you need it now. The Bible says you need it to hold on to the confession of your faith. You need to spur each other on. You need to be spurred on. And if you study that scripture, it means that you start getting out of church and you start saying things like, well, people don't care. No one noticed. You make a habit, then you're out of church. That's exactly what it means, and you watch that happen with people. Don't let that happen with you. I'm glad we have live stream, but live stream is not the same. There is not a spirit of quononia, which is the spirit of fellowship or the spirit of connection. We need to get, we need to get past this pandemic thing, get in church, and be restful. Amen. Y'all with me? That's just for first point. Wasn't that good? God, God can only bless your faithfulness. Life point number two, faithfulness reveals what you honor. Faithfulness reveals what you honor. That's what God blesses, but it reveals to you, it reveals to me, it reveals to God what you and I honor. The word honor means what we put value on, what's important to us. We can say God is number one. We can say God is the most important thing, but listen to me. Our, Our actions, our faithfulness is what reveals that or not. And we might think he's number one, but how many know we got to walk that out and we need to prove that? So faithfulness reveals what you honor. Proverbs chapter 3, two verses, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord, everyone say honor, with your possessions, and look what it says, and with the fruit, first fruits of your what? Increase. Then your barns or your bank accounts, they will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, you faithfully sowing faithfulness is what brings a harvest. We, we get all excited. We wave our hankies. We shout, ooh, God, you know, the overflow. But what, what produces overflow is not want or desire. What produces overflow is what? Faithfulness, to give God our first fruits, to give God our most important. Now, now listen to this. I wrote this down. Embrace this. Ready? When you keep first things first through faith and obedience, God turns promises into provision. Can I read that again? You might want to get the tattoo or something. Here it is. When you keep first things first 
which is through faith and obedience, God turns his promises into your provision. And obviously that's, that can be monetary, but that can also be emotional. That can be relational. That, that can be other areas too. But when, when, through faith and obedience, when we keep first things first, then God's able to take promises and turn them into provision. Because when God inspects, what does he expect to find in your life? Faithfulness. That's what he's inspecting. And faithfulness is the groundwork for the harvest. It's the groundwork for faithfulness. We read a parable last week where an owner entrusted three different people with, with his resources. One of them buried them. The other two doubled them. Well, it's the same thing with God. God is not, God is wise, and it is wise of God to inspect us. Now, God's never going to terminate you, right? That's grace. Aren't you glad? He's always going to believe you. He's always going to, but he will take what he intended for you and give it to someone else if you're unfaithful because you've proven faithful. I know that's not how our government does it, but that's what the scripture says. God's, you say, well, that's not fair. God doesn't have to be fair. God is a just God. He is a wise God. Not fairness based on us. When God looks for fairness, what is he looking for? Faithfulness. You living out of faith. Don't let this be a message today that condemns you. Let this be a message today to say, you know what? I might need to make a few adjustments. Because I want to be found what? Faithful. I want to be found living out of my faith. Because that is where God entrusts greater to you and I. Why? Because he knows you're proving that you honor it. You honor him by being faithful. God, I will honor you by faith, being faithful. I'll honor you by lifting my hands in worship, but I'll also honor you when I leave these doors. I will honor you by being faithful. Say being faithful to what? All that's in the word of God. I, I will strive and I will um, ask God and I will bring myself to God and say, God, the areas that I've, I'm struggling with the faithful stuff, help me, change me, rearrange me. Come on, the spirit of God's in you. You can become more faithful if that's something you have struggled with. Ready for the last life point? Here it is. So what have we said so far? We've said that God only blesses faithfulness. We said that faithfulness reveals your honor. And this is a good one. Faithfulness is the catalyst for increase. It's the catalyst or the springboard for increase. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. If the first fruit is holy, then the whole lump is holy. And if the root is holy, so are all of the branches. God uses the first principle, the first part, the very best, to bless all the rest. Did you get that? God uses the first portion to bless all your rest. He uses the first fruits to bless all of your rest. Now, let me interject this. The title today is Becoming More Faithful or Responsible to what? Bring it. Do you know there's a difference between giving and bringing? There's a massive dis difference between, and God says bring. He doesn't say just give. He says what? Bring. Y'all got the difference? There's a difference, right? Bringing and giving, there is a distinct difference. Giving, I can send it in the mail. Y'all remember the mail envelope, put a stamp on it? We don't do that a lot now, but, but there's a difference between just sending something or even giving something and bringing something. Bringing requires a lot more commitment, a lot more energy, a lot more focus, and a lot more faithfulness. 
So what God does is he takes what you bring, makes that the seed or the catalyst to bless everything else. So I want to land this plane and wind this down and really tell you that there are three big areas that the Bible really tells us to bring it in. Remember I said when you step on the court, when they step on the field tonight, who's going to bring it? In your life or my life, who's going to bring it? I want God to inspect my life and expect me to be bringing it and to be pleased that I've been bringing it. Y'all ready for some help? Now, you're going to know these, but there are three areas of bringing or faithful bringing. Number one, to bring God the very best of your time. The very best of your time. Now, here's, here's where it gets creepy. This is my time. Me time. But remember the questions we started with today? Who do you belong to? And who owns your stuff? And how responsible are you? It's my time. Well, if you belong to Jesus, whose time is it? I'm a steward of the time he's given me. I'm a steward of... All right, let me make it make sense. Um, Is God getting the best of your calendar? Is God getting the best of your daytimer? Is he getting the best of your schedule? Or is God getting your leftovers? I mean like the leftovers. Like you, you got up, you've worked all day, you've dealt with the kids, you've made dinner. Now I need some me time. While you veg out on the next 14 hours of Netflix, sleep for three hours and do it all over again. I'm not here to preach against Netflix. I'm just saying, is God getting the best of my, my calendar. He was in January because we were fasting, we were seeking God more, we were spending more time with God. Things were different. We had an edge to us that we lost a little bit because January, well, I'm not saying you have to fast every month, I'm just saying, is God getting the best, the best parts of your calendar, of your schedule, of your day timer? Because time reveals what is most important to you. Where you spend your time. Y'all doing all right? I'm trying to help you. Don't take this as condemning. Take this as, this is, this is instruction. This is revelation this morning. Ephesians says this. God tell us, the Bible says, it tells us to be alert about our time. And it says to spend his time. Make sure you're alert that we're spending our time on his purposes. Now, I'm not saying you can't have some hobbies and things like that. I'm just saying, above everything else, it gets out of whack sometimes. You ever had to readjust those things? This is a great time of year to readjust, to make sure that God's not first place in theory alone. Because if I asked all of you, what's most important in your life? God. Let me me see your your smartphone. Let me see your calendar. Where's God at in there? And I'm convinced That if you can't get him scheduled in there, the day gets away from you, and a day becomes a week, and a week becomes a month, and a month becomes a quarter, and a quarter becomes a full season, and a season, and then it's the end of the year, and we're like, this year, my resolution is, I'm saying make a new resolution this morning. And I'm not asking to add more stuff, I'm just saying you might need to eliminate something, change something, and fix some God time. Because I want you to know this. The first principle works even with your time. If I can give God my best, God will bless the rest. I'm telling you, there, there, there are times when I just have to say, no, I got to get my, like, we call it first 30 here. 
All of our team, your first 30 moments, I'll pay you to go be with Jesus. Makes them better during the day. I can deal with them better. So they, they go, I'm, I'm joking. They, they go and be with Jesus. But we're like you guys. Sometimes that gets mixed up and we miss it. But man, you know what? No matter how busy I am, when I just block it off and I do it, somehow everything gets done. Somehow I'm smarter with that time. Somehow I use that time better. Somehow I'm just more efficient. So your time. You want the second one? Y'all doing all right? Am I helping you? So these areas of faithful bringing, we, we bring God the best part of our time. We bring God the best part of our talents. Our talents. And I wrote it down this way. Are you bringing God, if you, are you bringing him the best of your time? But are you also bringing him the best of your energy? The best of your supply? The best of your giftings? Or does the world get all of that? Because sometimes the world gets all of that. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Stick with me for a moment. I love the book of Matthew. It says, if you seek him first, he'll add all the, all the stuff you are concerned about. He'll just add it. Because you seek him first. It's the first principle. I'm going to give God okay, time, energy, my time, my talent. I'm going to make sure I'm faithful with that to God. And I'm just telling you, watch what God does with your offering of firsts, the best, the first principle. He just has a way of adding time and talent and opportunity to your life. But see, we're, we're, we're saying we want God and his promotion and his best in our lives, but we want to do it our way, at our pace, on our schedule. That's not what God blesses. God blesses when we lay those things down and he takes that and he takes what you gave him and he gives it back, pressed down, running over, overflowing in our lives. Secret isn't your ambition. The secret is to be faithful with what God has entrusted with us. Y'all getting this principle? God takes the first part of your energy. He'll bless the rest. You know, the Bible actually says this. He says, as far as church goes, he says, each and every one of us brings a supply. Every joint supplies. What that means is when you're here and you're serving and you're here and you're spurring each other on and you're here and you're amening, you're bringing talents, you're bringing energy, that can't happen if you're not here. Like to, the, to this worship set, Pastor Mitch will tell you, when he starts playing and you brought your supply, it's totally different. Otherwise, he's performing to a crowd. When I say a good point and y'all are like, that's not a supply. But when you're like, I can see it on your face, like, amen, preach it, go white. You got something stirred up. That's a supply that you brought. Or you brought your, man, I, I tell you what, I, I say this this time of year, but I appreciate the supply that our parking lot brings when it's cold and snowy. First guy I saw it the other day, he's like in a t-shirt and jeans. I'm like, aren't you cold? He goes, I don't really get cold. But what's your supply? Maybe your host. You know, there's a supply happening in our kids back there right now, working with your kids. There is a supply happening. Now, we're all supposed to bring that supply, not 20% of us. All right, the last one. We're, we're under faithfulness as a catalyst. So I'm faithful with, with my time. It's a catalyst for increase. When I'm faithful with my talents, it's a catalyst for increase. The last one is bringing God the best part of your treasure. Your time, your talents, your treasure. 
So are we bringing God the best of our resources? Or are we investing the best of our resources into a world's corrupt failing system? I mean, is Starbucks getting my best or is the house of God getting my best? I don't care if you go to Starbucks. That's not the point. The point is, is God getting the best of my time, my talents, my resources? That's why Malachi says it this way. Bring the first fruits of your offering to God. Honor him. Bring the first fruits. It says this. It says bring your tithes, bring your offerings. There's three areas we give, our tithes, our offerings, and our generosity. And the Bible says if, if you do that, God will have a tendency to open up the windows of heaven, open the sluice gates. You know where that came from? Have you ever said, that's a slew of stuff? That's the slew gates or the sluice gates. That's where that came from. He will open up the sluice gate. It actually says this. He'll actually entrust you so much because you've been a faithful steward, you won't be able to hardly handle all of it. And then the Bible goes on. He says, I'll protect your stuff. So there's a supernatural blessing. There's a supernatural protection. There is supernatural insurance. Come on, somebody. When we say, God, I'm, I, I, I'm going to be faithful to bring you my, my tithes, my offerings, my talents, my time. I'm going to bring it to you. He's going to open the sluice gates. Are you all with me? I'm teaching you the first portion principle. Because God takes your 10% and puts his blessing on your 90 that's how God does. He, only, he could have asked for more. He's the boss, right? He says, bring that, and what I will do is I'll put the blessing on the other 90% of your time, your energy, and your treasure. And listen, don't do it out of duty. Do it out of honor. That's the difference between giving and bringing. Whether you bring it, you know, some people just send it in digitally. That's okay. Whether you put it in an offering envelope, that's okay. You can text it in. That, that's not the issue. The issue is bringing, being a bringer, not just a sender. Did y'all get something good out of that this morning? We're going to build this on this a little bit more as the weeks go on, but but here's, here's what I, I sense this morning. We've been singing a song we're going to do. We've been singing it, I think, since the end of the year. And it, Pastor Mitch even said this week, he goes, no, we keep singing. He goes, but I feel like it's just, it's our seasonal song right now. It's our theme song. It's Make Room. And God can become anything in your life that you need him to become but he cannot become anything you don't allow him to become. And making room just means this. God, show me the areas of my heart and my mind and my life that I just need to rearrange the furniture in. It's kind of funny. If you walk in our office wing, there are a few people that have, we've only been in this office wing like a year, but there are a few people that have rearranged their offices like 5,000 times. My wife is one of them. And she's, she's like, when are you going to rearrange yours? I'm like, I don't. I got it in the perfect place. Why would I want to change it? But how I many we need to rearrange some stuff sometimes? We need, our perspective needs a little stirred sometimes. Our outlook, our atmosphere, our vibe, our climate needs a little change, a little catalyst. Change becomes a catalyst for improvement. Make a few changes, a few adjustments. Say, God, what? show me. From this message, say, what, where do I need to make some room? 
maybe you got this giving thing financially down pat. Maybe you're like, man, I honor God, I'm faithful. But maybe there's some areas like, you know what, my energy or my time. Or maybe you got the time thing down, but some of the areas not. What we're going to do, we're going to sing this song. And as we sing this song, I, I look at it this way. Just Maybe this is a moment to do business with God. God, show me where I need to make room for you. Can we all stand? I want you to come and be inspired. I want you to come and be like, that was a good message. But I would rather you come and not just be inspired or moved by the word. I I want you to respond to it. Because when I was putting this together, I was even looking at some of my, some of my heart. And there's this dangerous word that, you know, when you're little, you have that little baby, she's so sweet and kind, and they grow up a little bit, and they just start playing and talking a little bit. And it's, it's sweet, it's innocent, it's awesome, until you hear this phrase, that's mine. You know, when the kids are playing, like, that's mine. So there's this word sometimes we got to watch, that my word, that mine word. God, this is mine. God, this is my heart. God, this is my thoughts. God, this is my money. God, this is my calendar. God, this is my time. God, this is my hurt. God, this is my wound. God, this is my, my, my. And what God says, I, I need you to just release that and start calling it his. Because I can't be selfish when it's his heart, when it's his time, when it's his energy. Come on, are y'all getting it? I'm just telling you, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a shift in perspective and a shift in blessing? We could fix this stuff in our hearts and our lives right here at 2022. What God could show up at this, this moment on, on Super Bowl Sunday, this could be the catalyst moment for your financial increase, for your relationship breakthrough, for your emotional change, for your health to all. This could be a divine moment. That's the way we put it on, on, on our, our set list today, a God moment, a divine moment.